You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to the 41st episode of the Archaeotech Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Sims. Today, Chris Webster and I talk with Michael Ashley of Codify about digital archaeology. Codify is a proud sponsor of the Archaeology Podcast Network, so check out their services and products at codifi.com. All right, welcome back to the Archaeotech Podcast. We've got, uh, I think, uh, I feel like a Saturday Night Live producer or something like that. We've got probably five-time guest, or whatever the hell the number is, Michael Ashley on today. Michael, how's it going? It's going great. I feel like you're a co-host at this point, but, uh, you know, we'll just, uh, we'll have our own podcast soon enough with Codify. But uh, until then, until then, we have um, we have a lot to talk about, and we decided to devote um, yet another Archaeotech podcast to Codify and what Codify has coming out, because a lot a lot is changing. You know, things are changing on a, on a really fast, um, a really fast trajectory for Codify, uh, which is great. Um, you know, we've got, and not changing really, but adding to, let's just put it that way. So we've always got new stuff to say, which I love because I'm part of Codify and Chris Sims. Chris, how's it going? Hey, uh, going good. I've got a little bit of a head cold. I'm going to try and keep all my, uh, <laughs> coughing and sniffling out of the audio tracks. Nice. Much appreciated. Chris is uh, Chris is also part of Codify now. That's a, a new announcement. So, you know, he's helping us. Um, he's helping us build this thing out. Chris has a lot of um, knowledge of the East Coast on shovel test pits and all that stuff, and we're developing modules for that. So, um, and I've I've done probably ten thousand shovel tests in the East Coast or more. Um, actually, probably quite a bit more than that when you start to really think about it. But that was all a really long time ago. <laughs> Chris has way more recent experience than I do on that. So it's great to have him on board to talk about stuff like that. Plus, when I was doing it, I was a field tech. I wasn't I wasn't part of the part of the the leadership and designing things and stuff like that at that stage of my career yet. And Chris Chris was doing stuff like that uh when he left the East Coast. So Anyway, um, we'll have more on that later as we get it uh, as we get it finalized and, and hopefully on the Codify podcast. So, anyway, Michael, um, we're going to talk about Codify now and everything Codify has coming up. But first, let's um, just talk about what Codify has done in the last uh, month and a half as far as public outreach goes, and maybe do a little um, your your thoughts and impressions from the experiences at the Great Basin Anthropological Conference in Reno at the beginning of October and the southeastern archaeology conference in Athens, Georgia at the end of October. Yeah, and uh, we should also mention that there was an election between now and the last time <laughs> we actually went out and reached out to people. Um, so, and just mm-hmm. as a kind of a precursor or foreboding kind of moment to talk, I, we'll, we'll definitely cover that in, uh, in the later part of this um, podcast. Yes, sir. But um you know, uh, the Great Basin was my first um, opportunity to go to a, 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 a regional conference. Um, it was amazing to be there and 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 have everyone so kind of focused on on one area of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a CRM podcast there, so you all should listen to that. You guys can show that in the show notes for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but my big takeaway for both the Great Basin and and SEAC was very different kinds of archaeology, but they both have the same symptom, which is that, and I'm definitely going to, this is, I did, I couldn't do it when we did our, because it was a CRM podcast. I had to be kind of polite. Um, so I get to be a little less polite this time. Um, 
But basically, the symptom that they're that both conferences have um, is that well, I guess archaeology has generally is that wow, we are so stuck in paper. Yeah. Just let the silence <laughs> just sit there in, 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 in a really not good way. And I, I, again, you know, I'm not anti-paper. I love paper. I love archival. I'm surrounded by photos in my office here and, and uh, I love all that. But it's about where and when and how, or as we like to say, kind of putting paper in its place. Um, so what happened at both conferences, which was really, uh, you know, heartwarming you know, we had this fantastic booth at GBAC because it was local, it was in Reno, you know, I was able to stay at your house, Chris. Mm -hmm. And uh, we brought the truck and the whole thing is at this casino. And we had the drone up, we had this beautiful booth. And, you know, folks just came up and said, this is it. This is exactly what we want to do. This is our future. Um, and yet, th there's this kind of gulf between where we all want to go and where we are is this crazy space in between it's you know it's a prohibition moment so we have mm -hmm. to cross this line. we just got to get it done um at SEAC we'll talk about the i was looking to lay the seed so you can you can use this and we can move forward but we did this workshop on photogrammetry and i asked a question i said well how many of you is about 30 something people in the audience how many of you you know um, have, have ever done a project where you record digitally? I mean, like completely digitally in any form of way like that. The answer to that was zero. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like everyone is still very completely entrenched in paper. And so if there's anything that we could talk about today, it's going to be why that needs to stop <laughs> and what we're trying, and, and, and not in a kind of pejorative way, but what, why, you know, um, why it really is time to kind of move forward on that. So that's, mm -hmm. It's, it was encouraging to have so many people, especially just to kind of call them out, kind of the millennial generation, so excited about what we're doing and, and, and so encouraging. Um, and it's like, my God, finally, you know? Mm. And I think that's, it's funny because, you know, you give me a lot of crap calling me like Gandalf the Grey and whatnot. I get that because <laughs> I am 487 years old. But, you know, um, apparently... We're still the future, which is cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, and 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 not to to bring back the workshop that we did at SEAC. I mean, there were like twenty five some odd people in that room, right? And not a single one of them had done a, a project completely digitally, but um, every single one of them had used a total station before. So where's the? There's a huge disconnect. Yeah, that was actually quite interesting. I was I was first encouraged that people were learning how to use a total station, but I was I was very sad that. Um, the other thing that they 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 were not learning at all, which I know we're going to talk about today, is photography. Mm -hmm. And yeah. digital, not for digital, whatever form you want to say. I mean, given that this has to be one of those the most important ways that we document archaeological anything, um, the fact that it's just not a thing right now is that that really needs to change. So, uh, so I'm hoping in, in in this particular podcast we'll talk about all those things. Yeah, it's it never really hit me before um, before I really started closely working with you, Michael, and and which is stupid um, because you know we we kind of treat photography uh, now. Some companies don't do this, and some companies do, but and it really kind of depends on where you're at and how big your project is and how stressed you are. But some companies put an emphasis on really good photography, and some do not. I would say the majority out west is they do not, and that is exemplified by the fact that, you know, 
there's there's a person on the crew that always gets stuck taking photographs and uh it's just it's just never emphasized as like a huge deal you know what i mean it's like oh photographs need to be done blah 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 it's like a it's like a a thing that you have to do to get past the site and it's a roadblock and let's just get these photographs done and get out of here and so as a result we see photographs taken on the ground of artifacts where the artifact is like if it's prehistoric it's blending into the background you can't even see it because it was taken on gravel or rock of the same type um or it's been taken on a, a really crappy um you know quote-unquote photo board which is really just a piece of cardstock with a scale on it or something like that and and because they don't know how to white balance or the uh the thing can't even white balance you know maybe the camera can't even white balance um you know they just uh they just don't even focus on that and their their photographs turn out blue so photography is one of the most important things i think because we focus a lot on description in archaeology but if perhaps your description is a little off or something like that, if you have really good photography, somebody 20 years from now can come and rewrite that description and make it right. So, you know, that's uh, that's the thing to take away is if you have really good photographs and your data is reproducible and your, your descriptions are not reproducible unless you have really good photographs. So I'm glad to... Um, you know, I'm glad to to be associated with Michael because of that, because I'm not a professional photographer and, and never had that kind of training. I took some classes in college, but, um, you know, you really need to have a workshop or training in that kind of thing to, to know exactly what you're doing with just some small little rules. So that's a good segue into one of the products that Codify is putting out. And we've had an, a number of sales on already, and we're, we're already producing new things to, to put in the store. So, Michael, why don't you talk about the, uh, the photo boards from Codify? Yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> This is one of those kind of, uh, you know, Cinderella stories out of nowhere kind of things to quote one of, one of the best movies ever. Um, so, you, you know, when you do something forever and you just don't even think that it's a thing. Um, well, it turns out that when we're out doing photography out in the field, um, we don't carry a backdrop with us. Right. I just let this ponder for a second. This is when you just like, oh, wait a minute. Of course, of course we don't. <laughs> but, but, but I do. <laughs> it's like photographers do. <laughs> but you just don't. I mean, so what, oh, you guys don't carry lighting and all this stuff with you when you're out recording stuff. So um, there are basically kind of two things you need uh, to, to get a good photo of an object in the, in the, in the field, if, if you will. One is uh, you need to be able to have some form of homogenous background. Um, now, I can say looking at photos from from literally forever, and this goes also to black and white photos um, where you can't actually tell what color the background was because they're black and white, but we can if you if you read the, as you were just saying, Chris, the, the captions or understand the, the notes that were taken um, when they recorded. But... For example, recording an object on a green background, like even though it's homogenous, mm-hmm. will fool the camera into thinking that the, the that the that the image that the object that you're recording is magenta because it's the opposite of green. Mm. So I can tell you from back in the day where you know I, I was looking at images that, that you know people were taking with their cameras, actual film cameras of their kids playing soccer or you're out in the park and it's a big green field, you know, the, the, you will look pink, right? <laughs> right? Because the background is green. 
So the first thing we need is, is a homogenous background that isn't just the soil. I love in situ photographs, don't get me wrong, that absolutely should happen. And that is the second thing that we, that we realized we needed to solve, which is we need to provide in the field um, not a gray card. It, those of you who have you know, any form of photographic background will understand that there might be this thing called a gray card, which um, is, an, is a particular color gray that you record in order to balance the color for non-digital cameras. But digital cameras require what's called white balancing. And you do that by having a, a, a standard that is a very specific color of gray, 18% to be specific, mm -hmm. um, that you stick in the in the scene. But you have to do this work to do to what you have to do is you basically have to do two things. You have to balance the camera itself uh, to that gray by basically zooming in on that gray card and like saying, okay, this is now this like this is the the scenes, the scenes color is this. And the second thing is in, in some post-processing step, you're going to go in and use something like Lightroom or Photoshop or whatever uh, to balance by using an eyedropper on that gray card. Okay, I just lost 99.9% .9 of our audience because no <laughs> one's going to do that second step and most people aren't going to do the first. So the as we're calling it, the Codify Magic Field Photo Board <laughs> we're calling it that because if you just, as, as, as you, Chris, personally have experienced and can attest to, mm -hmm. um, this board is exactly what we just described. It's, 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 a, it's a white balanced gray color. It has some special properties on it. We'll, we'll get into it in a minute. But when you put an, an artifact on it in the field, um, it changes the color of your camera. So even if you just set your camera on an auto white balance, your photos are already going to be so much better. Mm -hmm. um, the, the second part is that the background has this interesting texture. And um, all the photos I've seen so far taken with it have this really kind of nice soft shadow. They look really professional just by virtue of them being on this background. Yeah. But it actually is recording the environmental color of the scene. So it's, it's, that's the thing that it does. So if you take a photograph and you haven't changed the color and those photos are blue, like because they're balanced for, it turns out for the ground, which is generally a yellowish color, mm -hmm. like 10 YR four slash seven or something. <laughs> and, and yet it's daylight, so they're really blue. We can't fix that stuff in post. There is no fixing. They're just gonna be blue. I mean, you can try to make them less blue, but they're going to be, they're basically screwed. They're not gonna work. Right. So what we wanna be able to do is, is by 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 using this balancing card um, in the field, we're we're able to take care of that of that issue right away, which is cool. Yeah. Um, it also has on the card just this. Um, we've put on it as as you'll see scales. So you have both in centimeters and inches on the, on the board, so you can at least just you know measure your objects in the field. Um, it's super lightweight. It's totally waterproof. It's totally durable. It's all those things. So that's the idea behind the card. Yeah. And I, I'll say I, I used this card in some field work last week, um, actually last weekend on a historic project and it was, or the photo board. And it was, uh, it was amazing. Um, you know, it's a good size. You, I, I was able to stick it right in my backpack. I didn't have to, you know, we don't have a case designed for this thing yet. We're working on that. But, um, so I just, 
it, it's made out of high pressure laminate, so the back is like a like a black color almost, and the and the front is of course the gray. And uh, uh, even at one point, I I dropped it and didn't know I dropped it and left it in the desert for a little while, just in the dirt, <laughs> and then came back to it and found it. And uh, it's heavy enough that it didn't blow away in the wind, but it's light enough that I don't even notice it. And it's it's durable, you know. You can't even really blend it, bend it. It's made out of high pressure laminate. Um, and I was dropping rusty 1840 to 1880 time frame uh, objects on it. Big things made from wagons. There's a lot of wagon parts out where we're working, and I was just dropping these things right on the photo board, and then I'd blow off or brush off whatever comes off of that artifact before I take the photograph. And then take the picture. And um, now a lot of the pictures, all the pictures we took were either with an iPhone 7 Plus or an iPad Mini 4. And, you know, the app that we use is called ProCam, which I think we've talked about before. If we haven't, we should. And with ProCam, and I, I suggest doing this rather than just the native application, but with ProCam, you can not only take pictures in TIFF format, which is required for Nevada BLM, but you can also, um, if your device is up for it, like my iPhone 7 Plus, you can take pictures in RAW as well. And so you can also do different things like lock the white balance and lock different things. So we were able to, um, you know, kind of focus on the, the photo board first. I, I, I'd focus on the artifact, tap the screen where the photo board was, and then it would focus on the photo board, lock the white balance, and then tap on the object take the photograph and it's white balanced in the field, not post-processing, but in the field. So that's just phenomenal. It was amazing. And I could tell the difference on photos where I didn't do that first versus photos where I did do that first. Now, if you didn't do that first, the whole point of the background being gray is it's a known color. So you bring it into Lightroom or Photoshop, or I use Aperture for Mac or something like that. And if you've got a little white balance selector and an eyedropper tool, you select the whiteboard and it knows, hey, I'm selecting a white balance color and it does that same thing for you. It actually is magic. So I love it, Michael. <laughs> well, I mean, so yeah, exactly. And, and um, I actually made a video. We're going we're gonna to have it out soon. Um, it, it's actually, you know, like there's there's the ground and the ground is whatever the color of the ground is. And you see the object. And it, we as human beings, this is a whole like different conversation. We can look at the environment and and correct the color in real time because we're humans, mm-hmm. but cameras can't. They just can't. They don't. That's not that. That's not how they're designed. So the color will be whatever that scene is. But when you just move the camera over on the photo board, it just it is truly kind of magical. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what the actual magic is because it isn't just the the board itself. The idea is that we we want to level up. I love actually what your what your wife Rachel, another archaeologist, said. Our objective is to level up photography for everybody. Okay, that's our objective. It isn't to sell more photo boards, although we're really blown away by how many people are buying them. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but basically, it is about uh, it is about getting archaeological photography to not suck. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's definitely what we're trying to do. Uh, but along with that, what you said at the very beginning of this se- of this segment, it's about the captioning. So, and when you look at the board, you'll you'll see that there are some very interesting kind of things going on, uh, which I know we're we're about out of time, so I'll talk about very quickly. One on the right hand, on the left hand side, there are three photogrammetric m- markers on there, so you can actually use the board to record your artifacts in 3D, and it totally mm-hmm. works. It's amazing. The second thing is that the bottom section is an area for captions, 
And that works in two ways, but I'll explain very quickly. First, you could just literally have a space where you could have caption, that's fine. But Codify Caption is actually gonna write that caption for you, which is a whole cool thing. And then the last part is in the bottom right-hand corner is this little square where you can put a physical barcode. And just by photographing your object with that barcode, Codify Caption can read that barcode and do all of the captioning for you all the way through to, to museum grade accessioning. And that has been a couple of years in the works. And that, that is why we're calling this thing magic. Our objective is to make, is basically to get us to stop having to think about how to do all this stuff and just get to the doing. So we're kind of thrilled. It's really exciting. Yeah, it really is. And we're going to take a break right now and we will talk about the different types of boards because we don't just have a single photo board coming out. We'll talk about the different types of boards we got coming out this month and also the ones that we're thinking of for the future and a way for you to suggest new ones that you'd like to see and uh, and vote on those so we can come out with stuff that you actually need um, when you need it. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hello, APN listeners. Today we have some exciting news. The Center for Digital Archaeology, PCS, and Codify have teamed up to create an exciting new online training program built especially for you. Visit digitaltraining.site and you can sign up for free interactive office hour sessions to get help and share ideas about everything from digital photography to drone usage in archaeology and even tips and tricks on how to prepare for your next job interview. We're offering deep dive, two-hour webinars and intensive single-day workshops so that you can truly level up your skills. This is cutting-edge training provided by experts in the fields of digital imaging, cultural resource management, business practices, and more. Courses will fill up fast, so visit digitaltraining.site today and see what we have in store for you. That's digitaltraining.site. We look forward to learning with you. All right, we're back. So we've talked a lot about what our photo board does and and what it is, but it's not just a photo board. This particular one that I used this last weekend is our prototype, and we made some. We've already made some slight changes to that based on real world experience, and uh, um, we're sending that off to the printers this week so we can start printing them and shipping them. Um, well, when I say this week, I mean the week before Thanksgiving. I know you guys are listening to this in uh, you know after Thanksgiving, <laughs> so but. Um, as you're listening to this now, all this should be available on our store at codify.com forward slash shop. So what we've got coming out right now is we've got the 10 by 12 photo board, which is our full size. It's got centimeters and inches. Um, but you know, we were thinking, uh, we were thinking of all the other things that we put inside of photos that could probably use that 18% gray background and, and, and then different sizes of things as well. So it was kind of a no brainer to do sort of a, um, a four by six photo board from, uh, you know, it's kind of like the size of the palm of your hand a little bit. Um, well, not my hand, I have little sausage fingers, but somebody's normal sized hand who has, you know, six feet from six inches from, from palm to tip of your fingers. Um, (laughs) my wife makes fun of my, my hands all the time. It doesn't mean anything anyway. Um, so a four by six in inches and a four by six in centimeters, it didn't make sense to me as an archaeologist in the field to put both scales on one board because typically, you know, I'm measuring prehistoric stuff or measuring historic stuff. And these are small enough and light enough that I can carry both and it's not that big a deal. Um, so another thing we're putting out that should be out by the time you hear this is what what I want to call the directional arrow, not the north arrow that everybody custom typically calls it when you look on forestry supply where, where people typically get those things. All the north arrows actually have 
an N on them because they're actually North arrows. But I can think of a number of circumstances where I actually just wanted that thing in the scene and I wanted it to point another direction that I was going to point out on the caption. So I was going to say in the description for the photo, you know, the arrow is pointing east for some reason or whatever. So we wanted to leave that open and, and not actually put an N on it. But all these things where there's normally white with other people, it's actually the 18% gray. So you can take any scene, any photo that you put this thing into and then white balance the entire thing and, and solve all your color problems just by having this in the scene somewhere. So that's what we're looking at. Um, Michael, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Uh, what do you think we're looking at for the future on these things? You know, of, of photo boards because we we've got a lot of places we want to go with this. Uh, well, first of all, I just gotta say, I mean, like, so we did get we started this thing as you may have been hearing if you are listening to all the podcasts called ideas.codify.com, and in that we got this great feedback from from a gentleman named Carl who came to SIAC, um, who specifically said that he really wanted a pocket size board. I mean, the way he rolls, he's not going to pull out a 10 by 12, although we'll probably get him there eventually. So that's awesome. And that's why we're doing that. And they're going to have, they have a lanyard uh, hole in it and their pocket size great for, you know, stuffing all of the stockings. <laughs> but I, I have to say, working now with both of you um, guys, um, wow, really thinking through, uh, this is our opportunity to really kind of think through uh, a disrupt for how we've always been doing things. I am a photographer. I have certainly used North arrows uh, that don't have an N on it to point out features that completely make sense. Because think about it, we have, if you have a if you have a profile, okay. So the profile is what it is, and the fact that it's you know and and sometimes pointing out where north is has no meaning at all it's a profile <laughs> okay right. it starts from the ground and goes up in z so the idea you know but there might be a core thing i want to point at in that scene and having mm -hmm. an arrow would be great but we think that arrow should be north so chris what you said is perfect we need to be able to provide a caption for what that is and we need to have an arrow and tell us what the arrow is and that is the idea of this directional arrow i love it mm -hmm. so in the arrow it has in the in the same piece of of, of geometry, half the arrow is in inches. It, it's got different shapes, so you can have all your inches. And the other half is in centimeters, uh, millimeters, in fact, all the way down. So, and the background isn't white. So basically, guys, if you're if you anything you get from us, the background isn't white. It's um, which is kind of perfect given the Trump era. Um, it's <laughs> a particular shade. Of, of gray that allows you to white balance from that. So, so long as you have any of our things that we're building in the scene, um, you can use that to, to, to get a color balance of your scene. So I guess I'm saying in response to you is like, that all the things that we're thinking about right now are about um, in a digital photography era, how we can not just improve, but frankly, dramatically improve photography. So. White balance is a nice start. Uh, color, actual color checkers will be an evolution from that. And then watch the space because we're going to be getting down to really, if, for those that really want to get into this stuff, especially for things like 3D modeling and whatnot, we're going to be getting into all sorts of ideas of how to really calibrate the scene for environments so you can drop a whole model into a 3D realm and all these other kinds of stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, so watch the space. 
All right. So, Chris, you've been listening to this whole conversation and and you've been part of our conversation in the background as part of Codify regarding the photo boards. Um, what is as a practicing archaeologist, what would you like to see um, produced in the way of photography equipment, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, things that you either you know would like to see in the lab or in the field? that could use this 18% gray background um, and, and really enhance uh, the workflow that you've seen done in the past? Well, uh, I think it's kind of complicated to answer that question because I can see a lot of potential for this to change the way the field work and lab work workflow is done in CRM. So traditionally with larger CRM firms and even with smaller firms, you've got uh, artifact photos are done kind of at the end of the whole process. So, you know, you collect it in the field, you, you bag it, you tag it, you analyze it in the lab, and you kind of don't really come back around to the artifacts until you're doing the reporting. And so I think the way that this is going to shake up the workflow is going to put artifacts back in the beginning of the, of the whole process. And it's going to kind of keep it more of the focus of the process and the focus of the reporting, uh, in a positive way. So when I say shake up, I don't, I don't mean that in like a, you know, we're going to, we're going to disrupt it in any sort of negative sense. Uh, I think it'll be really neat. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, um, you know, of course needs sensitive handling, uh, in, in a lab, but you know, in the West, uh, we don't collect a lot of artifacts. And so I think that the photo boards are going to be especially useful in those kind of situations where you have uh, cultural materials that don't need to be collected. And, you know, from a conservation perspective, I, I think that's a win-win for archaeology because, you know, we don't really need to be collecting all of, all of the things. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we're able to study all the things and photograph all the things and produce you know, uh, photos that have research value in the field, uh, then that's awesome, you know, and we're able to, we're able to take a lot of research value from it without taking the cultural resources themselves. Um, so I'm not sure if that really answers the question, but, uh, I think that it's going to be interesting to see, uh, how people adjust their, their existing workflows, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if they're using these kinds of products. Right. Well, Michael, if other people have ideas when they see our shop and they're like, man, I wish they had this, what could they do about that? Um, well, I mean, so one of the things that we've done um, with our B Corp here is we've 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 launched this thing we're calling, you know, codify.com slash ideas, um, where you can go in and, and any idea you have for anything, <laughs> we hope that we can have a place to capture it. And so again, you know, we're not going to be apologi apologizing for building a company around the thing that we all needed for years, which is some form of kind of, you know, Amazon superstore for archaeology, because we totally need that to be a thing uh, for all the digital stuff. And, um, you know, we can pay homage to Forestry Supply and others who we'll be working with that have done it for physical things. But we need a place where uh, all the gears and stuff we, we, we need to have to do stuff will exist. But beyond that, we have the ideas that we all you know, we all have, and I'm blown away by all the ideas that people keep sharing with me personally, and we we want to capture those in a place and have conversations about them. So, codify.com/ideas is is exactly what that place 
will be. And it's just a start. We have some ideas already there, which is fantastic. Um, a quick example on photography is someone, someone wrote and said, be a great segue for later when we talk about training, but said, all right, the board is really cool. It's got these um, scales on it, but what we really need is a scale that kind of can levitate because what we really need is a scale to be a couple centimeters off of the board uh, so that it's in focus with the plane of, say, I don't know, the top of the lithic or whatever. And that is actually true, and yet it would be even better to have a scale on the board and another one at that that ethereal kind of in, in space place or and or to use things like hyperfocal imaging, which is a technique where you can actually take a series of photos and get everything in focus, um, which is something you just can't do with non-digital photography, at least not, not easily. That's really exciting and really cool. So I feel like um, this will be a place where if, I, if you have ideas for things like Again, photo boards or, or 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 other things, or you know, questions about we, we're we're kind of obsessing with photography, but it's not just that. It's whatever you need to do. Um, as Chris uh, uh, Sims, as you were just saying, a lot of folks that came up to us said, "My God, we're totally going to use this in the field," but or they didn't believe that they could use it in the field. I got two quick things to share. These are the, these are the, the, <laughs> the two extremes of the situation. Like, oh my God, this board would be way too cool. I would never take it in the field because it might get broken. It's like, uh, please take it in the field. It's it's designed from the same material that all the beautiful scenes you see that uh, the signs of the National Park Service are in full color that never fade. And you go, yeah, wow, how come this? So that's exactly what this is. That's why we're using it. And it's amazing. I mean, it was a Park Service that actually got us turned on to it. That's the first. But the second thing is, so yes, we're building the lab boards because this huge circle with all the 3D gadgetry on the edges. But the other one is like, it turns out this material will work underwater. So I, I know lots of folks that do underwater archaeology. I don't know anyone that's ever taken a photo board underwater to balance color. That's insane. Yeah. We can do that. It's going to work. <laughs> it's totally going to work. Um, and it's exciting. So this board, if you bought even our version one that we're, we're finally releasing, you can take it out and you can use it underwater just fine. Now, granted, if you go way deep, um, you can't use ambient lighting, but you still have to balance your color. Even if you use uh, like a Nikona's flash or your own quote artificial lighting, you still want to balance to a background. And, you know, as much as we, as we love the reefs, it would mm -hmm. still be better to have that reef shot and then still have a photograph of, of an object, especially if you can't collect it. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned for that, but we're really excited. We, we we just want to see what people do with this thing, you mm -hmm. know, dare it, try it out, you know, nice. space archaeology. We'll try that next. We'll <laughs> see how it works in space. I think the moon's already 18% gray, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> every picture on the moon is white balance. Cheese, but yeah, okay. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. I've got some gray cheese in my fridge, I think. Anyway, um, <laughs> So just real quick, we're gonna take a uh, we're gonna take a break here in a minute, but I just want to mention some of the other things that we're thinking about and input through ideas. Codify.com forward slash ideas would be great, um, but we're looking at just a static ruler because sometimes you can't set something on a board and you just want to point at the ground and take a picture of it, but you still want it to be white balanced. So uh, you know a ruler of of certain length for that, but also. A folding ruler that's um, similar in, I guess, style to the to the folding two meter rulers that we're always we're all used to for excavations, 
but this would be, I, I think, not two meters. We're thinking about a, a meter. And, you know, it would be a lot wider, um, a lot more sturdy, a lot more durable. The, the, it won't be wooden, so it won't break. Um, like, I mean, I don't know how many of us have broken one of those things. But anyway, so we're, we're working on a version of that also. And then, um, and, and maybe not even folding, but telescoping, you know, if we can get that to work and, and we can figure that out. So that'd be really cool. So you can actually like whip out your folding ruler telescoping and have a little sword fight, but I suggest not doing that anyway. Also a lab board, you know, we need, to, <laughs> we need something a little bigger with a little bit different design for labs and for uh, a circular shape with the markers on it for doing, you know, 3d photogrammetry in a lab on a rotating table. Um, and then one thing that we're really excited about is doing, because we heard a lot about this at SEAC, people were, you know, we're, I work out in the West here a lot. So my thinking is always taking photographs of artifacts in the field. But when we showed this nice big photo board to people at SEAC out in the Southeast, their first thought was, where do I write on this? Because I'm setting it up in my excavation. We're like, oh yeah, totally. So we're thinking about maybe just a blank gray board that you actually don't write on and the software writes the caption for you when you take the photograph. So, but that board is in your scene. So we know where to put that information and so we can white balance your photo. So, or so you can. And then also, um, you know, a, a calibration scale, scale type of thing, similar to the, um, the cheese scales, which we can, um, we can link to in the show notes so you can see those. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Um, again, our final break, and we'll come back and talk about some of the other stuff that Codify is doing. Move, move away from photo boards just a little bit and, uh, and then into some exciting things near the end. All right, back in a minute. The CRM Archaeology Podcast brings together a panel of cultural resource management professionals to discuss the issues that really matter to the profession. Find out about networking strategies, job hunting, graduate programs, and much more. We'll often feature interviews with college professors, CRM business owners, and experts as well. Check out the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash CRM Arc Podcast. Let's get back to the show. All right, we're back for our final segment, and we are not going to do an app of the day segment because, well, we are. We are going to do an app of the day, and the app, as we've done before, is uh, is Codify. Um, now, Codify is the name of our company, but it's also the name of our software. So, um, well, really, Codify CRM, Codify Caption, things like that. So, and we're going to have some other things coming out in the future, but. Right now, we're going to talk about the thing that's coming out first, which will likely be Codify Caption. So, Michael, why don't you tell us, since we talked about how to take photographs in the field and, and how to set up your scene, why don't you tell us what Codify Caption is in that process and how it will help us be um, you know, better archaeologists and better archivists and better, just better people all around in this, uh, in this Trump administration? <laughs> Wow. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for blowing all my minds. Um, all right. So again, again, you know, it's one of those things where you just go, well, wait a minute. Uh, this is clearly a problem that has already been solved. And then that's around photo logs and photo pages and all that. It turns out it's exactly the opposite of that. Had so many people talk, talk to me in kind of almost a therapy session of just how much pain it is. A couple of quick examples without mentioning any names. We have um, a project I worked on where we're you know, right in the Great Basin, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of photographs 
um, Excel spreadsheets broken down by teams and literally months and months of the principal investigator trying to put that, that back together again in terms of some form of spreadsheet that adheres to the BLM requirements combined with uh, the actual photos that had to be captioned in a particular way uh, due to not just the BLM uh, regulations, but also changing regulations for the IMAX forms. Mm -hmm. And again, we could just move over one state to, to the brand new regulations that are coming out um, for, for, Nevada, uh, sorry, for Utah uh, after years. Uh, another story where, hey, I, you know, I don't really have a way of doing my photo pages, so I use a PowerPoint template. It goes on and on and on and on and on. I mean, this is it's just epic pain. And so, Chris, when you came out to visit me in Italy, you must have been pent up the entire time. I don't know what you watched on the airplane, but you came out to, like within three seconds. You're like, you need to solve photos. So, caption is it, 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 if I could say it in just like 60 seconds or less, is um, it. It obviously will generate your photo logs. It generates your photo pages and does those things. So we can just stop there, breathe. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I think the most critically thing, interesting thing it had, had we had to solve was in order to write a caption, we actually had to solve kind of art field archaeology. Because to write a caption is, as I keep describing it, it's kind of like the game of Clue, where you have like Colonel Mustard in the kitchen with a knife. Mm -hmm. You have to know what you're recording, where you're recording it, how you're recording it, why you're recording all the stuff in, in context. So we kind of built a mini codified CRM by virtue of doing this. And the, I'd say the kicker is that almost all the time when it comes to photography, you're using some form of external device. So if we're working on a paper, then you have a camera, right? Right. It doesn't matter if a camera is a camera phone, which by the way, has no like, like image, like, name back in the day when we were using rolls of film, mm -hmm. you know, the frame number, uh, or, uh, an, uh, or very rarely these days, an SLR or digital SLR or mirrorless camera, whatever. The nightmare of dealing with all these different external devices is just insane. And so what we want to do, what, what Caption now does, and we're just days away from release at this point, by the time this podcast comes out, it will be released and available for you to try out and, and play with is it handles um, external device management is the key. It uses this really cool uh, QR codes that it generates in order to do all that stuff. We, we had to solve uh, in-field synchronization without any form of internet or connectivity. So, you know, these are all major stumbling blocks to, to, to keep you people from just going, you know what, screw all this. We're just gonna go back to paper because we understand that even though we're gonna sit there and try to so I re, you know, like refactor someone's crazy pharmacist-looking scrawl that they wrote in a write and rain notebook, <laughs> you know, uh, as Chris Sims can attest to. So the idea, the idea that of caption is to get us to write beautiful, well-informed captions of what's happening in the field because we are, in many cases, the only or last witnesses to something before. The Dakota pipeline comes through or whatever else is going to happen in 2017. And we will not get all political, but let's just say that we are we are the witnesses that are out there. And, it, you know, it's not just a responsibility, but it is a it's, it's a, you know, a, a great opportunity for us to be able to, to do that job. And so we want to make we want to make photography fun uh, and and useful and interesting and and good 
And that's what caption seems to be doing for people. And mm -hmm. uh, the responses to it so far, honestly, I mean, I hate to break the I hate to say it, but yeah, I've actually cried a couple of times because people <laughs> are so excited by it. I mean, it's really crazy. I mean, yeah, you know, we could produce PDF forms and we can do all these stuff and all that. And that's all critically important. We'll talk about that soon or next. But the, the idea that we have something that removes this much pain is really cool. So yeah. that's kind of what Caption's focused on. Yeah, I feel like I feel like um, you know since I started talking to Michael about this a few years ago, uh, and we really started hammering out in uh, in 2016 here. I feel like if I if I left Codify right now and never contributed anything else, but I was at least part of the conversation in eliminating photo logs and photo pages and typing all that damn stuff up after you get back in from the office, then my life will be complete. <laughs> I feel like just solving that yeah. problem, you know, is 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 amazing. And and that's really just the tip of the iceberg of, about with what we're doing with with what we're going to call event with what we're calling codify crm which codify caption will be a module of so um michael yeah. why don't we jump into codify crm and some of the things that that's going to be able to do of course incorporating caption and some of the other um some of the other things we've actually developed over the summer already that will be modules of codify crm uh yeah this might be also be a great opportunity to bring chris uh sims in because mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that happened at GBAC, because it was my first opportunity to kind of meet him in, in person, was um, was thinking about shovel tests because, you know, I've done these kind of massive excavation projects and surveys, um, especially overseas, but shovel, shovel tests, wow, they just they get short short shrift, right? And yet it's like 70, 80% of how archaeology is done in the country. Um, and they're actually really interesting on a lot of, a lot of different levels from my perspective because... They're little mini excavations, and also when you get into environmental stuff, then they're you know they're I've talked to um, since then since we we met at GBAC, talked to you know soil scientists and other environmental folks who would use these things to build soil horizons and all, all this. But we don't do, typically in archaeology, and all of you people know this is true because you're telling me. So I know there will be no <laughs> hate email. Is like we just don't do that because we don't have time to do it. We don't have budget. All those things. Mm -hmm. So. Um, the objective of STP is to think through all of the different uh, activities that are involved. And um, I'm dying to get Chris Sims on the call because, I mean, he's been doing a lot of this stuff, um, especially out in Kentucky and, and, in, and in Southeast. Um, what blew my mind was thinking through, okay, so you got guys, you got, got a bunch of people walking transects and putting in, pacing out and dropping these shovel tests. And there's all a bunch of bravado Men and women, you know, everyone. I asked so many questions. People at CIAC, all right, so how many show tests do you do? I had 197,000 of them on Tuesday, <laughs> you know? And you're out there, it, 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 it's it's muddy, it, it's gross. You got alligators, you know, eating you and all the bugs and all this. So I'm never doing this ever, right? And then on top of that, you're writing on paper. <laughs> and, yeah. and and then some, some poor crew chief or project manager is supposed to make sense of all those things. So our, our, our um, kind of our, the, the, the level that we needed to hit was, can we beat paper in terms of time, efficiency, and quality? So Sims, thoughts? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, in the back channel, uh, I, I was chatting uh, 
I feel like if my biggest <laughs> contribution to archaeology is eliminating chicken scratch on muddy sheets of paper for shovel test recording forms, <laughs> then I can die happy. That's, I mean, I've solved, you know, the biggest bane of my existence. Nice. Uh, you know, I we joke a lot on all these podcasts about uh, how awful shovel tests are. And that's not to hate on East Coast archaeology. Like, we all respect it. It's awesome. There's some really superb sites out there. Um, but I think it's because we – it's miserable. It's absolutely miserable to shovel test. And so <laughs> there's so many redundancies and, wa and just wasteful processes in the whole workflow tied up in the way we do that. And so uh, – you know, that's been kind of like job number one. And, and when when Michael and I talked at the Great Basin Archaeology Conference, you know, now a, a month or so ago, and this was like the breakthrough of like, you know, a big project we wanted to work on. I was like, yes, absolutely. Yes. Help me kill shovel test forms forever. Uh, so I'm stoked. Uh, and I think that really the... <laughs> Shovel test forms themselves are so frustrating from a crew chief or project manager perspective because they're not searchable. And you've got these things that, you know, you, you write down a whole lot of information, but in a way that's not meaningful and not usable. And Codify CRM is going to be able to make that information meaningful and usable. And it's not going to be a waste of time and it's also not going to take up a huge box that you have to store somewhere <clears throat> sorry there's that cough um and, and so that's really one of the other big problems in archaeology is what what is the archival side of this like what's going to happen to all those muddy sheets of paper with chicken scratch pencil markings on them what's going to happen to the boxes and boxes and boxes of just that like, is that even a meaningful thing? Yeah, I mean, we have to store it. That's It's part of our obligation to the resources. But, you know, it's really, you know, archaeologists of the future really have their work cut out for them if they ever want to look back through other archaeologists' notes to get anything meaningful out of it. So, you know, not to toot our own horn too much on this, but this is a huge, huge contribution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so it, it's not so much that we're sitting on our horn because what we're doing is we just do a whole lot of listing. So let me kind of, in just a nutshell, because, you know, the other thing we've done almost every single time we talk about Codify, it always stays at this kind of ethereal level. And finally, we can talk about things in a very practical way. So this is in, in, in just a couple of seconds, I can describe to you how this actually works. So you have an iPad, uh, you're in the field, it's in a life proof case, it's waterproof, it's stuff, it's all the proof. Um, and you're sitting there and you're already in a project, you're already out there in the field and 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 you're in your area, your project area, which is this place. Um, and the, the the crew chief or the PI, uh, the project manager has basically said, this is the area, we're in area A, everyone will walk your transects. So the very first thing is you can actually generate transects and we are going to be using things like the Gotenna and Beartooth technologies to be able to provide um, a mesh network and, and synchronization right in the field so that we can finally eliminate the whole craziness of, yes, I have a positive test fit 
and you got one, and we got to figure out, like, yell at each other while we're maticking through some crazy jungle thing. Like, hey, who's got what and what's going on? Um, so that is a key thing. But we, because we can add all these different elements to it, if what we, what we, well, one of the greatest, coolest things we heard and that we're actually going to be able to implement is just this. Imagine if we're all in the same strata, right? We're all in the same stratum. We have the soil profile and someone on your crew is going to be really good at writing that stuff out. So the objective is instead of having 10 people write crappy descriptions of, of the soil, we have someone who is doing that job and broadcasting that out to everybody else. And if we take that to the next level, the idea that we could actually go, this is what we're finding. We're finding this type of loam and this kind of this, these inclusions and get people to actually start recording that plus photography, plus 3D photography. Now mm. we're talking about being able to record shovel tests as if there are many excavations that have, you know, and, and be able to provide accurate color in a variety of different lighting conditions. So we can actually feed that information back uh, to the, you know, to soil web and actually start to produce, you know, a better, again, better archaeology for everybody. That's the goal. So we're not inventing this. We're just trying, we're responding and we're trying to, to, to level this, this up. Um, and so, you know, that field form that is the STP isn't even the real forms that we're talking about. And, you know, I, I think we're probably pressed for time today, but if we start talking about the information, the data packages that the agencies, you know, in the West, Utah, California, Nevada, uh, in the South, you know, uh, uh, Arizona, uh, New Mexico, in the Southeast, et cetera, <laughs> are requiring, we're looking at what they are actually wanting to have it isn't the information on the paper. Mm -hmm. It's just the archaeology itself. So that's the big mission. The mission is to, we, you know, uh, a whole different conversation will be about our murder map of the entire country of looking at what we need to actually record as archaeologists. And, and digital is actually making that possible. We've said this for 20 years. Uh, it is true. And now we're actually making it happen. And it's exciting. Um, you know, to, to finally make, be making a dent in this. And it does require, you know, letting go of some stuff like the safety of paper in the field uh, as an affordance, but also an excuse for not going for it. So we're just gonna try to get this done. Um, and it's not just you guys, pretty much everyone we talk to says the same thing. It's like, my God, if you did this, I could sleep or I could like <laughs> die happy. Let's not die, but let's all sleep. I think sleep is great. <laughs> yes, I've been yeah. losing a lot of sleep since last Tuesday, so it'd be really great to you know figure out a way to get some sleep. Nice. <laughs> all right. Well, we are we're definitely putting together a Codify podcast where we're going to really dive in deep on a couple of these topics here, um, especially Codify CRM because that's going to be our flagship software where we do all the things, and then some additional. I guess, power-ups, if you want to look at it that way, to codify CRM um, that we'll be able to do later on. Um, but for now, um, I think I think we're going to talk about one last thing that we're debuting what is in reality this week for us. But if you're listening to this, then it's already out and something we're already doing. Um, and we're doing this through the Center for Digital Archaeology, Codify, and PCS, Professional Certifications for Scientists. But we're doing training. Um, there's, a, there's a huge need for training uh, across archaeology and other field sciences. And it's kind of a, 
you know, it's not, this is not a, a slight on any of the organizations that are actually doing training right now. The webinars that they do, like the SAAs, SHAs, um, ACRA, um, all the, all the different organizations, you know, the RPA, they all sponsor stuff and they all put things out. And this is just to, this is to, to not only focus on the things that, that are important to us, the things that we're good at, the digital applications, the, you know, the, the different things that we can do, but it's also to, you know, my thing has always been, I want everything in one spot. That's why on the archeology span podcast network website, for example, we've got a page for links to other podcasts that aren't on the APN. But when somebody types in archaeology podcast, I want them to be able to find all the things right here so they don't have to go hunting for it. Well, that's the same thing we're thinking about training is we want people to go in a one-stop shop. They can come. They can find podcasts. They can find training. They can find their digital solutions to their projects, and they can find it all in one location. So, Michael, why don't you talk a little bit about the training? We're going to provide the different formats and, um, and what our grand vision for this really is in the last, like, two minutes of this podcast. Well, I mean, this is like, this is a dream come true. And I, you know, I'm just lucky that you're even letting me be the guy that talks about it. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there has been, a, there is obviously a huge need for training, but, you know, in a very kind of uh, ethereal way. And we're excited to see the, you know, almost almost every single SAA uh, webinar is totally sold out. Um we're going to focus on kind of a couple of ways of bringing training to people, especially in, at now where there's a whole lot of uncertainty in, in our field and our discipline that we love. Uh, one is we're going to provide, and when I say we again, as Chris said, Center for Digital Archaeology and Nonprofit, PCS, uh, a sponsored project and, and a, a you know, budding nonprofit that's specifically focused on training, and Codify Inc., which is a B Corp that's going to help to sponsor this stuff. Um, so basically, first off, we're going to offer uh, what we're calling office hours, which is just totally free. Just please come with your ideas and we're going to talk about stuff. So so I know that by the time this comes out, it'll be December. So you you might be hearing uh, follow ups about, you know, Acra's webinar on the CRM industry in the age of Trump or Chris is going to talk about drones. But you have topics, you have things you want to talk about. You come, we wrap, we'll figure these things out. Webinars that are, are that are formative with experts in 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 the in the field on archaeology, uh, photography, drones, compliance, whatever it might have what what have you, running a business, etc. And ultimately, then training series that we'll be doing, um, and 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 ultimately after that, physical training that will be usually kind of coupled with uh, different you know conferences that we all go to. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. Um, the idea isn't new, but the training clearly is. And um, there's been an overwhelming response positively to it. So we're finally getting it done. Um, so you're going to be hearing about it in every, you know, APN, you know, all the podcasts. Um, this is for you all. I'll, I'll leave you with one thought. Um, this is our personal pledge to you. If you're an archaeologist that actually wants to do archaeology and you are unemployed or underemployed, we are going to be providing uh scholarships to you so this isn't just for those of you who are students there will be scholarships for students too but we want to be reaching out to everyone who wants to level up their skills that is the complete mission of this thing Mm -hmm. um so watch this space but we're really excited so it's cool yeah absolutely and I'll, i'll just mention two things as we close here 
One, um, the APN is sponsored and partnered with um, Dan Bigman of Bigman Geophysical as well, who we've had on the Archaeotech podcast. And if you go to our website, you can see some, he's offering some GPR training, some ground penetrating radar training. And we're going to work with Dan and get some stuff over here uh, on our side too. So we can, again, my mission of having everything in, in one spot. Um, and I love that. So I would also say, you know, we'll, we'll set up a section on our codify.com forward slash ideas page. So you can tell us what kind of training you want. What are you, what are you lacking? What did you come out into the field and say, man, I really wish I'd known about this. Um, if you can't get that info from my book, plug, plug, no, I'm just kidding. Um, then we'll have it over at, uh, at codify <laughs> training. That was shameless. I should take it out. Anyway, I'm not going to, um, Amazon. It's staying in. <laughs> uh, so, that's right. Even though, it's, even though it is paper, but that's okay. Uh, you can get it on Kindle now. So that's, that's pretty great. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, so we're going to leave you with that. Um, go check out the links in the show notes. We've got center for digital archaeology.org forward slash training. And we've got the Sierra Mark podcast. We mentioned the codify ideas page and codify.com. So check all that out and look for the brand new codify podcast coming your way. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say by January, we will have this thing rolling. We'll start recording episodes in December, and we'll have this thing rolling out for the new year. So look for that. And thanks again, guys, for being on the Archaeotech Podcast. Thanks. That's it for another episode of the Archaeotech Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash archaeotech. If you like the show and want to comment, please do. You can leave comments about this or any other episode on the website or on the iTunes page for this episode. You can also email us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com or use the contact form on the podcast webpage. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or tweet your questions with the hashtag archaeotech or tag at archpodnet in your tweet. Please share the link to this show wherever you saw it. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. You can also type the name of the podcast into your favorite podcasting app and subscribe that way. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It helps us get noticed so more people can find our podcast and benefit from the content. Also, send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. This show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle and edited by Chris Sims. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.